This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I have the biggest waiting room behind me, 63,000 seats filled waiting for The Playbook with Daniel Mack. Welcome to SoFi Stadium, my friend. Oh, thanks for having me. This is quite the setting. Yeah, people think it's a green screen. Yeah. yeah. You almost have to like wave your arms so people know that like this is really here. It's crazy. To that point, you know, you built quite a following, I think over 20 million people in all the different platforms. Um, but there is a difference on how you do it, meaning that it's not just the audio anymore. There, there has to be a tie-in where people can learn by watching and seeing the actual energy of it beyond just voice. I wish, looking like me, it would just be voice, but I've always found that, you know, whether it's the wind in the lobby or the wind in our studio there, or SoFi, or the other studio we have in Orange County, this kind of stuff makes a difference. How much have you put in, since you're the king of content, into thinking about the actual scenery side of stuff? Yeah, I mean, it, like you're saying, it's huge because people do like hearing audio and whatnot, but like being able to visualize, especially with, I do it with automotive kind of stuff like that. It's, it's massive. Like I, I shoot during the day, I make sure like lighting's right. It's, there's a lot of things to, to keep uh, in mind when you're shooting, but uh, video is king, especially short form video right now, is just dominating, so yeah. On the automotive side, I mean, obviously you built your brand by asking really intriguing questions about how people got their luxury vehicles originally. How much have you tied in the automobile industry or the exotic car industry into what you're doing? Yeah, you know what's interesting is it's about cars, but it's also even more important is the people. So people, for example, I'll be at a car show or I'll be on the street and I'll see like a Bugatti drive by, or I could have somebody in like a car that's like 10 times less expensive. And it's really about the people and what they have to say, but it also meshes with automotive. So it's kind of like a mix of a car account, but also like an entrepreneur account at the same time. And those kind of go together and cars seem to be the best vehicle, no pun intended, uh, for how people get wealthy that you can like visualize on the street. Like how can you walk up to someone unless they're wearing like and I'm not a proponent of like spending all your money on crazy brands or anything like that, but it's the easiest way to say like that guy is wealthy. And you know, that's why I did it originally was I walked up and said like, how does this person afford this Ferrari? Like I wasn't even the biggest car guy, which is funny. Now I'm a big car guy, but I was like, how does this, like, how did they do it? So I'm going to walk up and film it and find out. And that's kind of, you know, where the cars tied into it. And, uh, and now it's the car account. Yeah. And you have your own podcast as well. The Daniel Mac podcast, the show itself. Um, and for you, you've been able to incorporate that initial idea of learning about human nature and wealth. Mm -hmm. into really facilitating other questions. What are some of the things that you're trying to get out of your interviews that are a little bit different than just, hey, how can you afford this car? Yeah, you know, I just like, what is the key to success? Uh, really, I'm speaking to like a younger audience. And, like, recently in the last year, I've walked to the people and I just said like, what if you have one piece of advice, if you go back in time and tell your 18 year old self, you know, how do you become wealthy? How do you do it? But aside from just wealth, it's also like how to be happy I think there's a lot more than just wealth that comes with like overall satisfaction in life. So I'll ask people like, what makes you content in life? Why, like, what, what does success mean to you? How did you reach that path? Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a mix of all that stuff. It's only so much you can beat the dead horse on one question, uh, but it has stuck around for so long because I think it's such a simple question that has so much more to it. And one of the tricks of the trade or one of the strategies that I've had in building my brand is collaborations, but being, you know, open to all types of entrepreneurs, all ages, all different sizes and shapes and colors and interests. And it's really helped me out. 
Have you been able to do any collaborations uh, yourself that have had that same exponential positive impact? Yeah, we, we try to, like, exactly what you're saying, we try to collab with whoever we can. A lot of times we'll do like skit versions of it, but we've interviewed like, we've interviewed Joe Biden, like uh, the, the White House invited me out. Uh, like him or not, it's still the president, so it's super cool. Yeah, I, like I'd get Trump in a video, I'd get Biden in a video. They're super interesting. Yeah, yeah, so we've done crazy people. We've done like Richard Branson, we've done like Helen Mirren, we've done like a lot of just, like it's crazy the, the laundry list of people we've done. Um, and I'll interview anyone, like regardless of like their political, religious, whatever beliefs. You don't have to agree with the person you're interviewing. I, that's the one thing I you know, get frustrated at. I'm like, just because I'm interviewing someone doesn't mean I have to agree with what they're talking about or disagree. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I have an idea for collaboration with me. Yeah. I wanna go out with you and then anyone in a super nice car, you ask what you normally do, and then I'll ask people that are driving like really shitty cars. <laughs> hey, what do you do? And then we'll both collaborate together, right? Like, what do you do? Oh, yeah. What do you like about it? What yeah. don't you like about it? And then get into and then do like this cool little collab video about showing the differences of mindset, heart set and hand set. And you're going to run into because take it from someone when you know, my first time getting wealthy before I lost over a hundred million, I drove only luxury cars. Oh, okay. Right. And then I decided that I would only drive a Chevy Volt okay. after when I made my money back. The, the Buffett approach kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it'd be cool if we ran into someone like, you know, a, a Buffett approach guy that's driving some piece of shit car. There's some low key people out yeah. there. They're like, but they'd be interesting. And then especially with your brand and my brand to be able to like ask the people questions regardless of the cars that they drive yeah. and then yeah. figure out what makes them mark. What are some of the lessons though? Cause you've been doing this a while at the highest level. Like you said, you've interviewed like me, just the best and brightest. You know, what are some of the takeaways uh, over the years that really have been either surprising or just exciting to you? I'll give you like the technical, like just straight up, like what I've learned, like with the sample size I have. Um, if you want to get wealthy, if we're just talking about strictly like accumulating money, you have to own a business. You have to own a business. Like I'll interview doctors and stuff like that, but you can't drive like a, and I don't, I don't like, I'm not a proponent of like spending all your money on like a depreciating asset, like a car. Like if you have like disposable income and you want to like treat yourself, be my guess but like so as far as like the that background I'll, I'll state that but you have to own a business every single one of the people that drive like crazy hypercars you can only make so much like working for someone else um real estate number one every person i talk to for the most part like 95 percent that own like these nice cars have some form of real estate um and i've interestingly learned college versus no college I talk, I think it's like a 50, 50 split for me. Like I'll roll up to people in Bugattis and they're like, screw college. And I'll walk to other people and they're like, yeah, I did college. And then I started a business, but they always start a business and they always have real estate. That's like my two, like that's the combo. And there's a few exceptions, but yes. No uh, inheritance guys. Oh, oh, there's plenty of uh, daddy's money. Usually though, sometimes they won't admit it, but sometimes they'll just straight up be like, yeah, I have a trust fund. Uh, I, it, I inherited it and I'm like, well, good on you. I'm not like pretending like you did it yourself. Like be grateful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I would love the transparency of that as well. So, um, and then, you know, starting your own business, there's an old saying, in fact, when you were in our studio at the Win, Chris Gardner was there from, uh, the pursuit of happiness, right? He talks about being the guy to sign the front of the check instead of the guy signing the back of the check, yeah. right? In other words, you own the business to that end though. There's also this content play that you didn't really expect and you built a community and I try to help people understand how important it is 
to build a community, regardless of whether you're Daniel Mack or Dr. Pimple Popper or David Meltzer, entrepreneur, right? We all have a frequency or a neighborhood, but you have to, in my opinion, be consistent about building that community. How important it is to be consistent when you're building, I mean, over 20 million people, that's no joke. Just because you ask a question and you're funny, doesn't mean you're capable of building a big community. Yeah. It's like Brad Pitt when he was on David Letterman. He's like, yeah, but you're so good looking. And Brad Pitt goes, dude, do you know how many good looking people there are in the world? Yeah. Like, I, I must be a talented actor. Yeah, yeah. You must be really talented when it comes to content creation and distribution. What are some of the secrets? I think it's exactly what you're saying, consistency. Because, like, you know, people have, there's copycats out there. They usually fizzle out. So when I first started doing my what do you do for a living thing, there was a million that popped up. There's still, like, it's kind of like a subgenre now. But people will usually do it for a little, and then they get tired of walking up to strangers every single weekend. And if you do it for, like, we've been doing it for two and a half years or so, it's like you got to be like balls to the wall as far as like getting up and being consistent and posting every day. And I, I will say also platform dominance on everything is hard to do. Like people will be big on like TikTok. Although, not like I'm platform dominating or anything like that, but TikTok might be banned. People are saying like, and it really is kind of like investing. It's like diversifying your portfolio. Uh, I try and post on every platform like Facebook. People are like, oh, Facebook's dead. It's not dead. It, there's 1.9 billion active users. Maybe in America you think it's dead, but it's m one of my biggest revenue drivers. It, it's, it's my biggest, basically, almost. So, yeah, I'd say just like posting like your short form clip. If you already have it, post it on YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, TikTok, other ones. I'm forgetting LinkedIn, maybe. I don't know. So, and doing it consistently, like I post every day or every other day. I don't take like a month long hiatus and then come back. Yeah. So, it's, it's like, it's a grind. It's a grind. It, I'll tell you, yeah. Jesus, I won't bring in Jesus over there. Yeah, we love Jesus. Yeah, but but like it, it's a madhouse. And in working for yourself, a lot of people think it's easy. They're like, oh, you're just a TikToker that uh, does dances or something because they don't know my account. They just right. think TikToker. And I'm like, I work more than my regular nine to five times like three now. Like I'm always working. So it's like you just got to, you know. It's so true, too, because I come from the nine to five world, right? There was no such thing as any of these uh, when I was running big businesses. And, you know, my wife, who has been with me, uh, well, I met her in the fourth grade, but I've been married 25 years. She's like, people don't realize, you know, you're, you know, in fact, Dr. Kim Vu's back there watching, right? He'll tell you that, you know, he's a prestigious doctor, right? UCLA, like prestigious. And I guarantee he'll tell you that the amount of hours and intention that he gives to his content is more than that which a doctor puts in. Yeah. And you and I bet you do as well. It's just like you wake up and when you go when you're going to sleep, like it's just constantly work. Yeah. And people laugh. They're like, oh, working. And I'm like, it's a it's business, you know, like, yeah. When I got involved, I already had my life. Right. Four kids. I had already lost over 100, made it back. You know, I ran famous businesses. So I always find it interesting because I get to meet really cool young people like you that your content is your business. And yet you've never really run a, a business yeah. like, you know, Samsung or yeah. whatever. Um, and I don't think people also realize that you've given up so much of your life for this content. Yeah, I had a nine to five regular night, like in finance, uh, right out of college. And then I just quit it. I was like, OK, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Right. But friend friend wise, what I've seen, you know, and I'm blessed to be close to some really big TikToker talkers as well is that they have a challenge because so many young people just want a picture with you or it's hard to have a relationship. 
because like even your friends all of a sudden you see them for the first time and like oh, oh can we do a, a TikTok together right have you had challenges in your personal relationships from the TikTok fame or the content creation? Yeah, the, I have been asked, I say it's my own personal purgatory, but I've been asked what I do for a living. They go, oh, let me film it. it like anywhere we go, it's like, hey, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, but it's my it's my purgatory for running up to people and asking them. I, I think it's, it's kind of funny. I don't let it bother me, but with relationships, it's really difficult because I'm traveling. Like, I think I've been on like 70 flights already like this year and it's like April, like uh, every other day, like we're basically like hopping on a plane. So like trying to develop, trying to keep relationships with like your family, with other like romantic relationships, stuff like that is really hard to, to juggle. Like right now, I don't even feel like I could like, so I don't know how you do it as well with children, a wife. I'll ask you about that later, but but um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's hard. You have to kind of give and pull, but I think it's, uh, you have to find the balance and really keep like your circle small because you can't appease everyone. And I can't even tell you how many people hit up my phone or call me or DM me like wanting something or wanting to have me promote something for them for free. But like, think about everyone thinks they're just hitting you up out of the blue. But if you have everyone do it, I'm getting hit up like every day by everyone. And you just have to drown out the noise kind of and find out who like is your real friends or who's just trying to like mooch off you kind of. Yeah, bleeders and feeders. That's the way that it, you, ha you have to start or else you're going to be bled and it's going to be difficult to maintain those relationships. What do you do for fun now? Because one of the things that I found really interesting is I'm always blending activity I get paid for, activity I don't get paid for with my content. Mm, yeah. Because it is consistent. Yeah. So I'm always interested, you know, obviously you get to do a lot of fun stuff naturally inherent in what you're doing, but is, you know, golf or is there is there something that you just do for your own personal enjoyment? Yes, uh, it's an interesting uh, question there because we are moving around so much that it's, it's kind of like when we're doing something fun, we're also documenting it, which yeah. is kind of like psycho, honestly. That, so like, I, I wish I could be like, yeah, I, I just took up this brand new hobby and I need to like carve out more time because in the last like couple months, things have gotten so crazy with our schedules that like finding time, I think it's so important and I haven't been doing it enough to like find something where I'm not filming, I'm not doing anything. Because usually when we're doing fun stuff, it's also like part of the program kind of thing. So I do go to car shows, but I find that fun, but I'm also filming there. I don't really have like a hobby hobby right now that I have time for. And I need to like make that a thing because it like will like say I need to like start like working out or something or like going on runs or something like that because like it's like, yeah, de-stress. So I don't really have a good answer for you right now. And I need to find something like that. Now, that's where I can help you, making sure that we give a minimum amount of time because a guy that's as consistent as you, you'll find it easy to figure out, you know, one of these things that you can do no matter where you're at, because yeah. it'll make all the difference as you get older. When you're younger, doesn't really matter, but as you get older, it's definitely a secret sauce to yeah. having that balance, because your community is only gonna get big, bigger. Even if they ban TikTok, uh, the way that you built it, and I've tried to build mine in the same way as a community, you know, people that did well on Vine, all those people moved over to another platform. And they had other platforms already going. So I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. What is your vision? Because things move so quickly. And I, you know, like I'm still a business person. So if they cut off all my social media, I'm still making money, helping people and having fun. But I'm 55 years old, like I said, with the family and all that. For you, like, what's your vision? What do you envision for yourself 10 years from now? I mean, I mean, the account in general is if you boil it down, it's more about interviewing people and finding out. I mean, it's about automotive for sure. Yeah. That's my whole thing. And that's what I love. 
But really, at the end of the day, it's also about just like finding out. I think wealth is the general like pillar that's built on. So we do like we do like cribs videos. We do like watch collections. We do like like inspirational interviews where I find out like like interviewing people like you automotive collections like all that kind of stuff uh but if you boil it down at the end of the day i'm still like an interviewer so i could see myself like going into maybe being on a tv show doing something like that where i'm like a host or i think there's like a lot of different avenues and i wish i could give you like a more like general plan that i have out but i feel like that's not really how it always works out so i try to keep it broad and i've tried to like like i said like diversify my style of content i don't think luxury is going away People are always gonna, there's like lifestyles rich and famous, cribs. There's always like new stuff that'll always be around and people are fascinated with how to accumulate wealth. So I just have kept it broad. And I know the what do you do for a living question. It's broad. It's been around for two and a half years. It can't stay forever. So I'm trying to kind of like secure, secure myself so that if it does completely fail, I can do other stuff like that, like interview people, be a host, be all that. But yeah, it is broad. I'm surprised it's worked out this long, actually. I'm not surprised at all because it really is determined by your skills, your knowledge, and your desire. And when you are able and capable at such a young age to have such great skill in interviewing conversations, great knowledge of who and what, um, which is attributing to the elevated brand that you have, but also just that consistent desire. Like, you're truly interested, right? You're not one of those people, and I see the difference uh, someone like Daniel Mack is interested when he's talking to people. You're not trying to be interesting. And that comes across in a very authentic way, which will resonate and always has resonated in that luxury space. And I think more people will tend to kind of guide you. I always say, if you know what you want today in a trajectory of what you think you want, you'll be fine. It's those people that attach their emotions to, you know, I want to be an ESPN commentator someday that get in trouble dead set on like one specific thing yeah well and you the proof is in the pudding when you talk about daniel mack the daniel mack show he is doing it every single day and i would put my money and any bet you want that he'll be even more successful no matter what happens we're blessed to have you daniel mack the day that you stepped into my studio and now here at sofi giving your playbook to success which is probably more relevant to all generations uh, of advice than all the other huge entrepreneurs we've had on here. What we've learned here today can help every single person out there how to build a community by being yourself and creating great content to help others. That's what Daniel Mack does. That's what they do on the Daniel Mack Show. Thank you, Daniel Mack, for joining me here. Thank you for having me. You got it, man. The Playbook with Dave Meltzer and Daniel Mack in SoFi Stadium.